The message you're about to listen to was recorded live from the Kingdom Citizens Pavilion, Joss. Then it came to pass in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went down to visit the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead is ours? But we hesitate to take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. So he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to fight Ramoth Gilead? Jehoshaphat said to the king, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Also, Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, Please inquire. For the word of the Lord today, current, how do we style or describe our Sunday morning meetings? Present truth, not past. Inquire for the word of the Lord today. Then the king of Israel says, oh, that's easy. He gathered all the prophets. These guys are on his payroll. 400 of them. And this guy has some good staff number. And he said to them the answer to which he knows. Shall I go against Ramoth Gilead to fight or shall I refrain? So they said, go up. In fact, they put it in the song. Going up to the high places. Go up for the Lord will deliver it into the hand of the king. And Jehoshaphat said, ah, I, something is not right here. My mother will say, all of you slept, you heard this in the same direction. Nobody is doing accountability. How can everybody just agree like this? Is that still, is that not still another prophet of the Lord here? <laughs> you know, the guy has already written them off, right? Very funny story. So the king of Israel said to Joseph, I know one, Micaiah, the son of Imla, by whom we may inquire of the Lord, but I hate him. I hate him because he does not prophesy what? Good. Concerning me, but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, ah, don't, don't, don't speak like that about the prophet, please. You know, don't speak like that about the prophet. Because Jehoshaphat knew, king of Israel knew these guys were lying. Right? Both of them knew that these guys were lying. Right? <laughs> but <laughs> the story continued. They sent for Micaiah, right? And then my, you know, the messenger got to Micaiah and said, look, look, there's something happening in the palace. I'm paraphrasing now, right? When you get, you see, where we are today, there is a clash of truth and lies. But let me tell you, people, even so-called believers, they have chosen to believe lies. That's the truth of the matter. <laughs> The picture I have in my head is people are weighed down by lies. And as we're going to see, because number one, lies spread fast and it has profit. Benefits people. Because lies, if you buy into lies, you are accepted. Right? You are accepted. It's very comfortable because nobody challenges you. Those prophets were cool. The king of Israel was cool. Right? Everybody was just okay. You see, there are a lot of areas that the church has not gone to because 
we don't love truth enough. Right? We don't love truth enough. So this guy prepared Micaiah for lies. You know, the guy, does he know the reputation of Micaiah that the king knows? And then he went to Micaiah and said, you see, when you get to the palace, right? He doesn't, you see, they won't respect you because you claim to have a reputation. The man told Micaiah, when you get there, just play along, right? With the other prophets. He said, now listen, the words of the prophet with one accord. <laughs> Encourage the king. Please let your word be like the word of one of them. And speak what? Encouragement. The guy didn't care about the reputation of Micaiah. He tried him. The truth will always be tried. And Micaiah said, as the Lord leaves, whatever the Lord says to me, honestly, that's what I'm going to say. Then he came to the king and the king said, Micaiah. And you know the way he's asking? He's not asking to know. Shall we go to war again from Gilead or shall we refrain? And Micaiah, the wise one, said, ah, 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 ah. Go and prosper. <laughs> For the Lord will deliver it into your hand <laughs> the king. So the king said, how many times have I want you not to speak lies to me? <laughs> Can you see the drama going on here? How many times shall I make you swear that you tell me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? Because this guy was taunting him. Olumide is correct, right, to the extent that truth is obvious, right? But it will still be tried. What this guy is asking for, why didn't he call Micaiah? There is a sense that, honestly, we are not supposed to go. But we want to go. We want to go. And the truth you know that you are even convinced about, if you have not had the opportunity of practicing it, right, we don't really know whether you know it or not. And that's where the trial is. So it's not just the world trying the truth, Collins. The truth itself, like it says in Psalm 105, will try you. You know, I always say it, and I think uh, this guy, you know, quoted me on Sunday, Benjamin. You are not a thief until you have an opportunity to steal, and you don't steal. Adam was born, created, perfect, right? But he wasn't righteous. Right? Righteousness was tested whether he's going to obey what he knows about God that God has said or not. And then he failed. To that extent, he wasn't righteous. Though perfect, not righteous. Jesus was created, born, perfect. He was tempted on all fronts, just like you and I. He came out unscathed. So it doesn't really matter what you say. Have you had the opportunity? Right? Have you had the opportunity? For that truth, that conviction to be tested. So truth will always try you. Because truth wants to be tried so that it can be shown to be authentic. Right? Am I making sense? And then the guy said, okay, you want the word of the Lord? I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. 
As the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to the house in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jephthah, most of them, I told you this guy will not. Uh, look at the conflict here. This is a guy who is living in, in a very brazen, courageous denial of truth. The guy lied. He said, why are you not telling me the truth? The guy told the truth. He said, I told you this guy won't prophesy anything against me. But Micaiah is not in the middle of all these things. And then Micaiah painted a picture of current realities, that this is what is actually happening today. And this is what Paul referenced in 2 Thessalonians, that those who don't love the truth, God will do what? Send them strong delusion. Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. He said, what is happening here, I've, I've seen the root. I saw the video. I saw the production before you air it on Netflix. I was on set, right? Where all the characters were, you know, they were reading their scripts. They were practicing. So I saw the Lord on the throne and the host of heaven standing by, on his right hand, on his left. Then the Lord said, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? This was something done, right? So one spoke in this manner to another in that manner. Then the spirit came forward and stood before the Lord. They said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and be what? A lying spirit. You see, lie is active in church. You know those that is affecting the most, those who even deny it. Those even know that it's a lie. Yeah. Because it creates their reality. And you know truth is reality, right? That is what? Real. Real. <laughs> he said, I will go out and be a lying spirit in the mouth of all the prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out. Who sent this lying spirit? God. Because Ahab does not love the truth. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit. Who sent the evil spirit to Saul? God. God. So the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these your prophets. And the Lord has declared a disaster <laughs> against you. And you know, he said they should lock the guy up, right? I love it. And Micaiah was going. His hands was back. He turned back to the king. If you come back, God not send me. <laughs> if you come back, right? God not send me. Now, what we see here, as we're going to see, maybe if I have the time in the weeks to come, the truth that Micaiah stood for tried him. He was imprisoned. Right? The truth that John stood for, tried him. He was imprisoned by Herod. By the time he got there, the language changed. Started questioning Jesus. Right? If a Roman soldier whip you like they whip Jesus, you negotiate. <laughs> you see, you, the things you are learning, you don't know yet whether you believe. 
This my precious sister asked a very sincere question on Sunday. Why is it that people can't appreciate that I'm doing my work well? I said, doing your work well is a threat to majority who are not doing their work well, so they can't appreciate you. And most of the time, those who are not doing their work well, they are very crafty. They, they know how to get themselves into positions of authority. But good people like you, we function with a high degree of naivety because we expect everybody to know the truth. To expect everybody to know the truth is naivety. Yeah. So if I, if I, you see, there's something I'm learning about Paul. Paul had some models. His zeal, killing Christians, had a basic foundation. He had a basis. Two characters in the Bible that inspired Saul was Phineas and Elijah. Right? That is not enough for me to believe God's standards. Everybody around me also. Right? Must buy into it. We know it. You can't marry a Midianite. Right? And, you know, standards are falling apart. Pastor Moses was there. You know, the head of the, you know, singles fellowship brought one babe and walked before Pastor Moses, displayed the girl. One of the most brilliant, talented guitarists I've ever had was here. I walked him out of here. I said, in this place, under 25, in school, no relationship. She, he flaunted his girlfriend. This was where I was sitting. I said, don't come here again. Right? Don't come here. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. You know? Yeah. He flaunted the girlfriend here. I don't care your gifting. I'll play the guitar myself. <laughs> I don't care how it sounds. Might not even play guitar anyway, right? But that, because it's not enough for me to believe. Right? David said, I'm a friend only. You see, if we do it that way, that's when truth, you know, finds full expression. But you know why we can't do it that way? You can't pay the price of the trial. And that's exactly what the world is doing. You hang out with people that you don't share the same values. See, the faith that Jesus pioneered is not tolerant. We're going to talk about it, right? It's not tolerant. It's loving, right? But it's not tolerant. It's not accepting, right? It will tell you. That doesn't mean we can't, you know, if you call me, I won't block your nose. But no, but we cannot, you know, we, we can't, I can't call you my friend, right? Because we don't share the same values. But the spirit of the world is let everybody just be. That's what they believe, right? That's their own way. They say religious tolerance. That's a political statement. And only Christians believe that. Muslims don't. Yeah, they don't. Yeah? I was saying to my class yesterday, it's impossible to have a Christian nation because you can't legislate Christianity. 
He said, but there are Muslim nations. I said, that's where you have a problem. You compare Christianity and Islam. That's where you have a problem. <laughs> you put them on the same pedestal. So if they can have an Islamic nation, then you can, oh, no, come on. You can't legislate, you can't criminalize same-sex marriage. That's ungodly. In fact, it's a sin. Because you don't punish a sinner. Right? No. You can't legislate morality. You can't legislate righteousness. You can't make it a law. <laughs> right? No. You can only define, and that's what I said then when this country went on that route because of pressure from the Republican Party in America. Jonathan imposed 14 years, you know, term for those who are, you know, in same-sex marriage. I said, you, you are just invalidating what you have said. In your constitution, marriage has been defined, right? It's between man and woman. You don't believe it. <laughs> if you believe it, right, you won't go and do this. Because what you've done there is godly. God's laws are not penal codes. Are you with me? He said, thou shalt not steal. He didn't say, if you steal, I will. He said, because stealing, inbuilt into stealing is the punishment. We still don't believe Right? You see, because if truth is on trial, you discover, oh my goodness, I hope I'm not getting off this. If you allow truth to try you, it will take away from you what human beings like to do the most efforts. Because there's nothing you can do to prove truth. Right? There's nothing you can do. You argue with somebody who believes, maybe a feminist, or a masculinist. Let me balance, right? You can't win. Right? You can't win. By the time they set their case, you cannot win. Right? You can't win. So there are, you, you don't argue. You know what you do? Lift the standard. That's it. Just set the standard. That standard intimidates. Those who are not abiding by the standard, right? Yeah. That's why God doesn't punish the sinner. It's sin that punishes. But we have embraced American gospel that is very nationalistic. That's why the news that gets to Americans the most is once they hear that they are killing Christians in Nigeria, I say, Chief. Christians are supposed to be killed. <laughs> yes. Blessed is he who is persecuted. Right? Christians are supposed to be killed. If you are not willing to die for this faith, you are not willing to live for it. Micah said, if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, take it. Everybody, one God must all. I hope you guys heard me. That's what Micaiah said. So, what is truth? <laughs> truth is the word of God, right? 
You know, that's not something you argue. That's why I have my reservations about apologetics. Especially the one that comes in debates. Right? And they always go on that route. You see, this is the reason why I want to service on Facebook and social media, right? It's very distracting if you go on this argument of apologetics, trying to prove the word of God. Look at what happened to Ravi, right? Because apologetics has a way of you, it masks the things that you should be dealing with because you can argue yourself out of it. The word of God, you can't argue it. The only way to demonstrate is the truth is through the life of a human being. Right? That's why St. Francis of Assisi said what? Preach the gospel always when necessary. Use words. Preach the gospel always when absolutely necessary. Use words. Words are the most ineffective way of communicating the gospel. <laughs> but when you live it, and that's the model of Jesus, that word became flesh, dwelt amongst us, and then we, he didn't show us, we behold it. God and his word are one. That's why if you go to court and they can establish that you said something, right? You are culpable. Right? It's libel, right? You said that, if it can be established. Because you can't say, no, 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 it's my voice. So it's not me. Right? It's my word. It's not me. No. Your word is you. <laughs> Because, you see, that principle agrees with the word of God. Out of the abundance of the, the mouth, if I speak it, speak it. Let's say it in the way it we speak it. Right? The words of the Lord are what? Pure words, comma, you now explain, like silver tried. The example that Collins was you know, it's not just pure words. We know it's pure because like silver, it has been tried in the furnace of earth, purified, how many times? And that's the same mind when he said the righteous man, though he falls seven times, he will stand. If he's righteous. If he's righteous. But you know the way Pentecost has read that now. Right? He gives them room to fail. Seven times. <laughs> that God will always forgive. Honestly, he will always forgive. But if you are really righteous, you give yourself that room to keep failing, you will never, you will never be free. If it is because you took the grace of God as a license, you will never be free. You see, there's something I said when this man that killed the, the, the African-American boy in America, Zimmerman, and everybody was saying, this. I said, Zimmerman set free by the court of men. Right? 
the court of life will not set him free. If he killed that guy out of racist, you know, out of he will never be free. That's why I said this, this was the name of this Derek Chauvin, right? Maybe he put his knee on that man's neck. Let Derek sleep and Floyd, right? Appear to him in a dream. He will run. He will say, see my neck in a dream. He will come out in winter sweating. <laughs> he can't. If he sees, you know, Floyd in a dream, he will be running. The guy might not even be chasing you. He just stand like this. Imagine you just wake up at night and just see, you know, Floyd in his room. You, you think he will put his knee again? You see, there is a realm, right? That's where truth can no longer be denied. Are you, am I making sense, guys? Yeah. So when you see the word of God, God put his integrity at stake. And the way he does that, right? He put it in your life. Right? He handed over the whole world to an inexperienced Adam. He wanted to bring the Savior to the world. He didn't look for an experienced grandmother who is still young. Maybe like my wife. Right? That can, he's had experience of raising kids, right? This one can raise the Savior. He chose a virgin. <laughs> Not known a man, <laughs> right? No boyfriend, right? And he wanted to raise the Savior of the world. He put his integrity at stake. Can you stake your faith? And that's why I tell you know, people, you want to go to school, you are praying that your roommates are Christians. God doesn't answer that kind of prayer. Right? My professor says that when Christians gather for the sake of gathering, they stink. <laughs> right? They stink. Right? But you are, you are a substance that affects salt, right? And light. Is light friend of darkness? Huh? Huh? Are they friends? But they're always together. They are inseparable. Right? <laughs> they're inseparable because contrast. You see, when you look at the way the world, the Bible put the word holy, is always within the context of the unholy. The word of God will always be tried. We don't know this is holy. Until you are. The reason we need the Holy Spirit is because we live in an unholy world. You now keep it here. All of us are just praising God, right? We don't know you are holy until you interact with a system that's unholy. So when the word goes out, that's, you know, that's a very toxic territory it will still come back as my word. It will accomplish. It won't be lost. Just like salt. Go through the grill. You put salt in that chicken, put it in an oven, right? By the time you finish grilling that chicken, you remove the chicken from the saucepan. Salt is there. You will go through that chicken, appear on the other side. Even better. It will have changed to gold. The taste is better. Because it's taking part of the chicken too. <laughs> but we're afraid 
See, God is not a man that he should lie. He said, you and I are liars. He's not a son of man that he should repent. As he said, I will not do. As he's spoken, and he will not make it good. And Paul now said in Romans, he said, let everybody else be a liar, right? And God only. The truth. Calbert said, the truth, when I read it, I said, truth lies. No, truth, truth doesn't lie. But he's not talking about... <laughs> The truth lies not in the yes and not in the no. But like Micaiah, in the knowledge and the beginning from which the yes and the no arise. You guys understand that? Read it again. You don't know truth by someone saying yes or someone saying no. Truth is when you know the basis of the yes. Right? So it's not just you agree. If you agree with me that I'm a man, what have you done? And if you argue with me that I'm a woman, you know if I start arguing with you, then there's something wrong with me, right? Huh. So it's, it's, the truth is that you have a knowledge and the beginning from which that yes, that your opinion arise. Like Jesus said to Peter when he said that you are not going to die. He said get, he went to the source. Right? He said I'm talking now, not Peter. Right? When he said you are Christ, the son of the living God. He said this is God talking now, not Peter. He was able to identify, right? The source. That brings you and I to that point again. Whatever you think, whatever you say, whatever you do, whatever you claim that you have an opinion, you were told. Humans don't author anything. That's why big scientific inventions are called what? Discoveries. You didn't create it. You did what? You discovered it. That means what? It's always been there. So check. You know, we preached that here for many months. Who told you? Who asked you to talk that way? Who asked you to dress that way? Who authored that hairstyle? So truth on trial. This is the beginning of the trial. Let's take it to Jesus now. I preached this years ago here during Easter. When Jesus rose from the dead, those who saw it came to report all the things that they saw. Right? These were Roman soldiers, right? The guards. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they now bribed these guys. Right? Say, go and tell his disciples came at night and stole him away while you slept. And you know that if they say that, they will be killed. They say, don't worry. When he gets to Oga, we'll, we'll cover you. You will know how to. We say that you guys were ill. They gave you some sedatives. That's why you slept. So they took the money <laughs> and did as they were instructed. And they were very effective. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee 
to the mountain which Jesus has appointed for them that they should meet, they saw him. They worshipped him. But some doubted. You see, this is the beginning of the trial of truth. The issue is, in that culture, everybody knew, right? Because the most, the, the greatest disappointment the Jews had, the reason this thing sold fast, the greatest disappointment they had was that, number one, they knew a Messiah was coming. The Messiah they had in mind was a champion that would do a number on the Romans. For anyone to come and tell them that their Messiah was killed, a crucified Messiah, they felt, I mean, it, it, it was an assault you know, on their identity because they wanted a strong man Messiah, not a dead Messiah, not a crucified Messiah. They were disappointed. That's why this thing sold fast. We don't even want that kind of Messiah. Till tomorrow, that thing is still there. Right? That thing is still there. So this is what we need now to demonstrate that that Messiah that was crucified, resurrected. Make sense? And that's why the primary purpose of receiving the Holy Spirit is to witness that resurrection. Right? The Holy Spirit is to empower you to demonstrate that resurrection. Make sense? Because God is on trial. And Sheon said we need trial is that we need to come to a decision. How we are going to come to a decision that God is God is your witness. Because a decision in a law court is based on the validity, right, of a witness. There's something they even call principal witness, right? When it's now so going to be so profound and eyewitness. That was what Stephen was trying to prove. I just saw the Son of Man, right? Standing at the right hand of God. They were, they were livid. An eyewitness. What was Paul's, you know, witness? You, I can't deny what happened on the road to Damascus, right? Yeah, I saw him. I heard him. I see the way this thing is, is God, God will not come and second what you are saying. That is the most frustrating part. <laughs> you are on your own. Moses came. I saw God. God didn't say, yes, he saw me. Mary got pregnant. The angel didn't go to every house. I'm the one that visited her, right? And told her that uh, he's going to conceive. Mary was alone in her testimony. Yeah. I know we've, we've, we've bastardized the Bible. In the matter of two or three witnesses, let everyone go and read the context. <laughs> right? How many witnesses have we had? Plenty. Has the world believed? <laughs> Not yet, thank you. You are hopeful. 
You shall be witnesses. Look at what Paul said. The whole content of being the apostle of Christ is this. One Verse 22. Beginning with the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these, this was when, I mean, it was Peter who said this. One of these, this was when they were trying to replace Judas with Matthias. That one of these men that we have put forward, they will become a witness with us of his resurrection. That's still the call today. The last thing you said, the last thing you did, that last thought, does it demonstrate that Jesus is alive? Today is just a catchy phrase. It's a bumper sticker. So the current reality today is that the gospel is veiled. Why? Because there are no witnesses. It's as if Christians have a breaking point. My ears are just, are just filled with so much. Maybe I'll share this with the governing council by, by the time we, we, you know, that we meet again. It's as if nobody stays the course. The strongest of people they call men of God, they have a breaking point. Push still comes to what? To shove. That's not truth. Do you have a breaking point? And I'm talking about those who have even started, right? Do you have a breaking point? Jesus scaled the breaking point, right? Our gospel is veiled. That is the glad tidings. If it is veiled, also be hidden, obscured, or covered up with a veil that hinders the knowledge of God. You see, it's describing us, the current church today. It is hidden only to those who are perishing and obscured, only to those who are spiritually dying, and veiled only to those who are lost. For the God of God, in this very terrible horrible situation is that there is still what? A remnant. For the God of this world has blinded the unbeliever now. Don't think the unbeliever is somebody who has never you know, accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior. There are many they have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior over and over and over. Their life still demonstrates what? They are unbelievers. That they should not discern the truth. There are a lot of church people know they don't have any discernment of truth. Preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel of the glory of Christ the Messiah. Who is the image. It didn't stop there. And also function like God. I've created a distinction between those two to you. Imago Dei. Every human being has that. All humans are created in the image of God. But only those who follow Christ. When Adam fell, he lost the likeness. Right? To operate like. Right? That's why Paul describes some people. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. It is the Holy Spirit that restores the likeness. current reality of the people today that are committed. They are under the weight of falsehood. 
lies, falsehood is generating a lot of followers. People love it. He said the prophets lied to them, right? It was Jeremiah who said that. And people do what? They love it so. If you are to choose between lie and truth, let me tell you, you will choose a lie. Except you count the cost of choosing the truth. Because choosing the truth, you will be tried. The word of God will try you. Right? It will try you. There are two ways to the throne of Egypt. Mrs. Potiphar or the prison. Yeah, if Joseph play along with Madame, he will still be a very good economist. Right? And when there's problem, Madame will tell Potiphar, Potiphar will tell Pharaoh, and they will appoint uh, Joseph. And he will do exploits. But Madame will be pulling the strings at home. Madame wants somebody eliminated, he will tell you know, somebody is winking at the husband. I want that girl killed. Okay, we arrange some, you know. Joshua, I mean, Joseph will be at Madame's beck and call because he who pays the piper. That's what Joseph said. I can't do this wickedness against who? Against God. It's a conflict. I was trying to explain this to the group I met this week. Our problem is the Christianity from abroad. Distinct from the one from above. Bulk of what is practiced in the church today is colonial Christianity. That's why you see any normal evangelical Pentecostal, they will like America. Yeah. They will like Trump. We are sharing today. Why is your name uh, Joan? You know, you you you, you get you, you, your name is Adim. Is it no Adigbo? When you get baptized, they don't give you an English name. Adigbo is not pure, right? We have to give you an English name, right? Some without meaning, callings. Adigbo is not godly because Adigbo in Yoruba means somebody that wraps Indian hemp. <laughs> yeah. So his name is Adebowale, but when you want to really be a Muslim, you are Hamza. That's pure. Right? That's it. <laughs> that is pure. <laughs> this is where we are. Because colonial Christianity is this. Welcome to church, right? They slice your brain and remove it. You won't be needing this here. We don't think here. <laughs> right? Lift up your hand. Put it down. You are not, there's no reason to learn. And is it truth is pearl of great price. You don't give it to idiots. God can't cope with ignorance because there's no reason to be ignorant. 
And some say, yeah, I don't want colonial Christianity. I want my brain. Then you swing like a pendulum. You become a cerebral Christian. Both are wrong. That's reactive. Biblical Christianity is this. No, not this one. The next one, yeah. You subject that mind, right, to biblical illumination. It doesn't remove your mind, it renews it, right? That's why today we live in the age of deficits. Honestly, I knew the kind of gospel I listened to in 1990. It was very intelligent. It wasn't prescriptive. It's something you have to process. It generates, it, it calls you into thinking. But today I'll tell you, I'm not trying to abuse anybody. Christians are so idiotic today. They don't know nothing. So today we have intellectual deficit, spiritual deficit, social deficit, economic deficit, political deficit. It's a gap. The new phase of church is that spirit-inspired revelatory power, ability to rightly what? Divide the word of truth. Right? Because that's the ideal. I think I have that scripture somewhere. Remind the people of these facts and solemnly charge them in the presence of the Lord to avoid petty controversy over words. I have, Nigeria has become the haven of the idiots. Did you see the whole, you know, the whole energy that Bill Gates divorced? I don't, some people in America didn't hear. Yeah. They didn't hear about it. Look at the, the debate it generated here. Before you knew Nigerians have created a joke around it. Somebody said, I want to go and propose to Melinda. Is it Belinda or Melinda? Belinda, eh, Belinda. <laughs> Nigerians just, we just made a whole, I said, what's your business? In fact, there's a particular, because when I read the news on channels, Somebody was writing something. I said, oh boy, it's as if you are happy that they divorced. A majority of these guys, I've told the majority of those who use Facebook in Nigeria are church people. Because I see more scriptures there than Quran. Right? They are church people. How can you be happy that somebody divorced? Where is the spirit of God? And what God even wants to tell you about that, if he wants to tell you anything, you won't hear. Avoid petty controversy over words which does no good but upsets and undermines the faith of hearers. You know, say study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God. Approve. That means you have been what? Tested. Tried. 
tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing. This is not written to pastors. It was written to Timothy by extension, those who listen to him. Because look at the beginning. Remind the people. This is not for who you call leaders. Because the least in the house should be a walking Bible. That's what we want to have in KCP. Right? Kenneth Hagin prophesied it that the days are coming when pastors will say Paul and his wife Silas. They were preaching the gospel all over the place and their son Timothy was misbehaving. And the church will say amen. Because people, there are people today who believe that Silas is the wife of Paul. Because the Bible says Paul and Silas, Paul and Silas. <laughs> this is going to take the willingness to submit to the pressures, the repercussions of the trial of faith. Trial of truth. The new face of church is all the spiritual literacy, socio-economic, political literacy, intellectual literacy, right? All those things must fit together. Right? The world needs to hear the message, the gospel. And that's why I said, don't, you see, there's a friend of mine I'm going to really talk to. Don't preach on Facebook. It's like you are sending high tension to your house. Right? <laughs> Nobody does that, right? You send it to a place where you'll be stepped down before you distribute. The gospel is not meant for the world. The words of the gospel, right? The gospel that goes to the world are people. When you do that, it's as if God put this, these speakers, you know, JBL, HH, PV in heaven, and he's speaking to us. What happened when he did, he, he did that in the book of Exodus? They ran away. They ran away. Because what, what you are saying, they don't understand. I invite Michael to come here and just speak to us in the Doma. Right? And everybody say, hey, man, you are like those in those days who watch Indian movie without subtitle. <laughs> and you are running commentary. You know the way those guys do it? You watch Chinese movie, and all of them are seated there. And they are running commentary. That's the way the church is right now. Patience, you've done it before. You're watching. <laughs> what is truth? How much do you love the truth? How far are you willing to go to live, live for known truth? These are the timeless questions facing the church. Because a lot of people, reality is they start with the truth. When they get to that point where the questions come, they just... They just backtrack. And many of you are so protective of the truth, you don't, ex you don't expose it. You won't come on the day of exam. <laughs> you just go and believe God for promotion. Because it comes neither from the east nor from the west. But I tell you, I tell you where it comes from. It comes from, it comes from your teacher. From the, it comes from the exam. Yeah. 
And this is going to come, you know, in the midst of widespread and profitable falsehood. There's something that always surprises us, right? We know it's a lie, and there are people there, right? Yeah. It's a lie has profit. Just like sin has pleasure. You know, sin puts you on the throne of your life. You are in charge. Right? Those who are pro-choice say, it's my body. Right? It's my body. I can do whatever I like with my body. <laughs> yeah. The moment you, you, you are challenged to concede authority to another, it's a challenge. To be told what to do. It's very challenging. In the midst of widespread and profitable falsehood. Right? You know, the Bible didn't deny the pleasures of sin. It only qualifies it. It says it's a fleeting pleasure. It's temporary. Right? George Orwell said, in the time of deceit, telling, and I put living, Right, in parenthesis, telling the truth, right, is going to be what? A revolutionary act. Do you understand this? What does this mean? Huh? No, don't use simple word. Don't you see that that's a problem. Don't use simple word. Let them check dictionary. Yeah. When you democratize, it's like everybody has a point, right? Majority carries the vote, yeah. Yeah. I think also it's like going against the status quo. Mm -hmm. And then once that is something rebellious, like something rebellious. Mm -hmm. So doing something contrary to what is generally accepted. Yeah, I've, we've, we've tried to, you know, touch up the word rebellion. You know, we call it the contrarian. Yeah, so that, you know, the word rebellion, the rebellious one, it's like, uh, you know, it's always negative. 
So we've, we've tried to create another word, you know. I am a contrarian, right? And that's what most, most prophets are like that, right? That's what Micaiah, the guy that they sent to meet him, said, no, just play along, right? Yeah, our guy said, all of you are wrong. <laughs> Everybody, you are all wrong. It's not time to build your houses. He was the only one saying, you are all wrong. The first time I preached that, I checked the word, you know, these people say. It means am, a congregated unit, an agreement. The picture God gave me was, tune to any channel. That's what you hear. Tune to any channel that is the trending on social media. Consensus of opinion. Somebody came and said, no. Everybody's saying it's time to build your house. Panel it. Go to Banana Island. Go to Plantain Island. Go to, you know, everywhere. And the guy said, honestly, this is what God is saying. He said, consider your ways. It's not time to build your house. What? Are you greater than the man of God that just said that? They begin to, and then by the time you look at this man of God, to look at their followership, hey, and God says, it's me that's telling you. Right? You see, it's not, you see, the, the most, and I'm not trying to excuse myself, the, there is a witness here. If we are saying what everybody is saying, this place will be full. Nobody wants to learn. Right? Nobody wants to think. Nobody wants to know the process. They just want the, you know, they want the word. Right? Because the church has now been reduced to, you know, it's like a crutch. You know, infants. When you say revolutionary, what does that mean? Yeah, you wanted to say something. So this is, you know, thank you very much, because this is not all just tough. It's possible. Right? If it's a revolutionary act, it must get to a point also. If you don't get to a breaking point, it begins to, you know, have some traction too. And that's what I was telling you on Sunday. Right? Don't just be contented with doing right in your office. Begin to build a community of right doers. Right? And that's tough. 
but possible. People want quick, quick, quick fix. And I was starting with someone, you know, because um, there's this, you know, this whole racism thing that's going on. There's, a, you know, there's a, this black footballer, Aaron Wright, who has been fighting this thing. So they had a, a short video clip where he had a discussion with Alan Shiara, who is white. And I saw that, and the first thing that came to me was, number one, this is scripted. Who scripted it? Who wrote the script? I want to know, right? What is the agenda? There's something Alan Shara said there, that when they started abusing black people, when they started playing, if I sang a particular song that they were singing to one, the only black man in their team, you know, and that it was not, nobody thought anything about it. The guy too enjoys it, right? But now you can't sing those songs again. What changed? <laughs> and he said, it wasn't, was it right then to reduce somebody to just color? He said, they won't sing that, that this guy is a white man, he does this, right? But they sing it for the black person. But that at that time, he didn't, he didn't even hear. He didn't interpret it in any way. But now he's seeing that. You see, is it possible to continue that way when they sing that song and it's not considered offensive? Did not mean any harm as at that time? Maybe. Yeah. But even if they meant harm, the guy didn't see it as uh, it takes two to tango now, right? The guy didn't see it. But today, even some people who don't, who weren't feeling it before, they started feeling it. You see, I've, I've always said that the best response to racism I've ever seen is the man, is the Brazilian player, right, who went to play corner. I forgot the name of that guy. Daniel Alves. He went to play corner and they threw banana at him. He peeled it, ate, and played the corner and they scored. The guy ate the banana. By the time they interviewed him, he said, ah, my dad told me there's energy in banana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see, that's one aspect of it. I want to bring it to this. You see, the most dangerous part of racism is systemic racism, right? You can't fight that by activism. No. You can't fight that by whining. It takes you interacting with the system. That will take that timeless biblical principle because the, the highest level of strength of evil is their weakest point. Right? Who will be willing to go and offer himself or herself as a tool? Right? And then you begin to generate, bring in. Because people are saying white people should be at the forefront of fighting racism. I said, no. It's impossible. It might work a little bit. The perpetrator now becoming, you know, somebody that is trying to destroy what he built. That, that, but if you infiltrate 
right? Become part of the system and fight from within, right? And the fight is for everybody's benefit. It's not a revenge mission. Only a spirit I mean, Holy Spirit-filled person, people, can do that. Now, the gospel has not gotten to that point. Because we're still dealing with elementary things. Elementary things. We've not been able to develop a gospel that can be that strategic. Where you raise a child and you say, this one is going to the police. Right? This one is going to the military. This one is going to the civil service. But right now we're still being, what we are fighting is what we are serving. The script of our lives is written by the enemy. The script the church is acting on right now is written by the world. Yeah. He said, these are times, Thomas Paine, that try. The word try again is what? Test. That try the souls of men. There's a lot of decisions that you need to make daily. What you are going to consume. What you are going to process. Right? And how do you process what you choose to process? Right? It's so important, guys, because the world is now insulting humanity. What we need is a truth-inspired sight. That sight is ability to see you know, it's that truth is not, it doesn't lie in the yes and the no. It's the origin of the yes. The origin of the no. What gave rise? So you nip it in the board. Truth, why? Because current reality is this veiled gospel. Because the God of this world has blinded. The word blinded there is that Greek word, to flow. Meant to blow smoke in somebody's face. Where you lose your bearing. That they should not be able to discern the truth. You see, truth is not known. It's discerned. Because it's hidden. It is the glory of God to conceal, right? It's the honor of kings to search it out. Preventing them from seeing the illuminating light of the gospel. The church is really, you know, at the forefront of that. What's the global reality? The, press, the reality of our present world is the systematic and intentional erosion of reality. That's why your children's best friend is a gadget. Right? It's a cartoon character. <laughs> it's tough. I made a love for justice, Monday to Friday, no iPad. She started manifesting. Before I knew it, the iPad had started rolling again. You see, you have to stay on it. Yeah. You see, the, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's only me. The toughest thing for parents to see is to see their kids cry. And you are the cause. Right? And to stay with it, look away. <laughs> a systematic 
intentional erosion of reality. It's structured to numb humans into believing and living in an unreal world. A lot of us are there. The world we live in is unreal. It doesn't exist. You're like Johnson praying for Scooby-Doo. To create an imaginary of what we have known to be what? A virtual world. Yeah. Virtual means almost real. <laughs> right? You see, to me, that's the spirit of the Antichrist. So close to Christ, but very far. Almost the word virtual. Almost this is dictionary. If you tell your voice there to give it, this is what it's going to read out. Almost or nearly as described, but not completely or according to strict definition. That's virtual. I like that picture my sister tweeted. He showed faces on Zoom, right? And he showed some people dishing food. He said, I don't like webinars, I like seminars. Because there's no food on webinars. <laughs> there's no food on webinars. He said, let us give ourselves a virtual hug. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I said, I, I, can't, I can't do that. I mean, you're you, you turning him into, into a cartoon. I won't do that. Let's wait. Right? When this whole madness of COVID is over, we will hug. That's why I never subscribe to new normal. Never. And I stay on it because we just echo the world. This virtual agenda is being pushed to the limit now by the power of words. You know, and I keep telling everywhere I go in Africa, we need, we need, God is calling a lot of Africans into the ministry of language creation, language rediscovery. We need to go back to our language. Some are hearing it, and they are, those living abroad are teaching their kids now their dialect, right? You see, it must be scaled up to a level where we can really communicate. I've said it many times, see Indians everywhere, they speak their dialect, they speak English with their accent. Chinese, the same thing, only Africans. The world understands it. Because humans naturally seek that which is real, meaningful, and fulfilling by nature. So they create what we know as this. Well, virtual reality, right? That's the greatest insult I've ever seen. A reality that is virtual. Right? Let's look at it. Oh, it's so fast. You know, this is something everybody says, right? That's virtual reality, virtual reality, virtual reality. What does it mean? 
It's virtual reality. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it slow, slowly. Once. All right. The definition of virtuality comes naturally for the definitions of what? Both virtual and reality. How many have ever sat down to really look at it this way? You just say it. The definition of virtual is what? Near <laughs> and reality is what we experience as human beings. So the term virtual reality basically means near reality. This could, of course, mean what anything, but it usually refers to a specific type of a reality that's emulation, or in fact, call it simulation. Sorry? Close relative. Thank you. That's it. Looks so much like it, but it's not it. If the pilot is going to fly you, all he's done is to use a simulator. You know, simulator is like you are really flying. Yeah. Simulator, you will enter turbulence. But that turbulence, you programmed it. You press a button. You set the degree of the turbulence and the plane, you know, goes as if it's in a turbulence. Right? You can even simulate a near crash so that you know how to respond. But it's all in a controlled environment. It's when you really fly, that's exactly the same way you feel. But this is, this is real. If you are crashing, you are really crashing hell. <laughs> and you are dying. <laughs> it's different. So virtual reality is not evil in itself. There's some good in it. Right? With Zoom, we can still communicate, right? The evil in it is unleashed when you perceive it to be reality. When you lose the sense that this is virtual. Remember the story of that woman who had about 5,000 friends on Facebook. When she died, three people came. <laughs> three people came for the funeral. There are thousands of friends on Facebook. They are virtual. And this man that I've learned a lot from in terms of leadership, he wrote a book, Leadership as an Art. He said the first primary responsibility of a leader is to do what? Is to define reality. That's what Jesus did. I can, the other prophets told us about human, what it means to serve God, what it means to do this. He came and said, I am the one, right? Touch me, right? Right? Touch me. This is real. This is real. This is real humanity. So what is virtual reality? Is a term used to describe a three-dimensional computer-generated environment which can be explored and interacted with by a person. This is from Wikipedia, right? And that, that person becomes part of this virtual world, 
is immersed within this environment and while there is able to manipulate objects and perform a series of actions. And it's so real. What's the truth? Is not real. If virtual means near reality, it's being presented as real reality, it goes without saying that the intention is to what? It's to deceive. It's to deceive. Because virtual and reality are what? They are antonyms, sorry. They are antonyms, not synonyms. They are antonyms. Opposites. If it's virtual, it can be real. If it's real, it's not virtual. And the intelligent people now say, you know, it's virtual reality, right? And they sound very, very intelligent. To match them together is to describe an experience that intends nothing but what? To deceive. And as we're going to see, you know, we realize that a lot of things we do in church is now virtual reality. So we live in a world with the sole intention of deceiving humans. That is the beginning of defining reality. Reality is that there is a spirit of deception around. There is falsehood. There is the veneration of falsehood. Adults are victims. Children are victims. Right? Most things we see around, they are false. In a very deadly, subtle manner. Reality. There is nothing that happens in the world, right, without a spiritual root. The unfortunate thing today is that the world has become more spiritual than church. Yeah. Become more spiritual. In fact, they, they embrace the principle of the cross and sacrifice more than church. Yeah. There's nothing too precious to give away for the world for the sake of their agenda. You know, I was saying something on my, this is my last um, podcast. The wicked will destroy their own things. Have you heard in those days, people were African, they will kill their children for money. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not true. They, they understand. Do you think when they kill their children, they don't feel it? They feel it. But honestly, they are sold out. But here, I just sit for one hour, someone. You are yawning. <laughs> you know, you can watch a three-hour home video. Your energy level will be topmost throughout, sustained. You have presence of mind. If you are running commentary. It has spiritual roots. That means it began with God. Right? At certain time along the way, humans took it over. If it began with God, the, the intention is good. But when humans take it over, it no longer glorifies God, it no longer, you know, benefits humanity. This is the world that we live in. It's like the world is trying to catch air. And you know why we are comfortable with that? 
We are not willing to live to pay the price of what is real. We are not willing to pay the price of what's real. Looking for a good place to stop. So virtual reality is a scrambled version. How many of you have, you know, when you don't pay your, your DSTV, they scramble it, right? You know, you can't see anything. <laughs> I think they've changed the technology now. Now you just, just in those days, they just, the picture is there. Maybe to lure you to pay on time so that they straighten it out. The intention of virtual reality is to create a God that's not real, that's a counterfeit, right? And that's what, it, you know, people come to church and they are seeking this God that can never be met, right? You can never meet him. He keeps coming. He's better than Niger, right? He's just in front. You will win one day. You will win one day. You will win one day. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. It will never come. It's a simulation of divine experience. You know, if the music is good, they taught us in those days about how to distinguish authentic miracles from the fake. That if the music is very good and energized, somebody on a wheelchair can get up. If he forgets himself. The moment the music dies down, the guy, I'm supposed to be lame. <laughs> Because it's the energy of the moment. Yeah, it has effect. But it's the authentic healing power of God. Music might be there. Music might not be there. When God wants to heal, the person stands up and begins to walk, right? Yeah. But we have a lot of, you know, uneducated enthusiasm today. And by the time you leave church, the thing fades away and then you can't wait to come back. Yeah. People easily get bored now. Who does that remind you of? Children. Children. The service has to be, right, energized. So it creates, an, you know, the environment of an endless seeking, always wanting more, always wanting more, always wanting more. Do you know God is also like that? Because the more of God you know, the more of him you feel you need to know. But it's a fulfilling quest. Yeah, this is where I'm going to stop. There's a website you can actually, you know, go there, diverge.com. He said the promise of virtual reality has always been enormous. Say so this is the way it's captured. Put on these goggles. Go nowhere. Be transported anywhere. <laughs> it's the same escapism peddled by drugs, alcohol, sex, and art. The true of the shackles of the mundane through metaphysical transportation to an altered state. But this is born of technology. You know, if you practice some Eastern religion, you really have tangible experience. Astral travel is real. It's real. Right? Levitation is real. Right? Yeah. You can get levitated. You can actually, you know, those things are real. It's not virtual. Right? People go into trance. Yeah. It's real. But this one, that the church too has now begun to, you know, 
When you say you pull out a passport from somebody's shoe. It's not even magic. Right? It's not magic. Right? You know, magic, you need to do some training. It's not this one somebody say enters toilet and appear in France. I mean, that's insulting your... I know if you are not careful, that becomes our discussion also. We just fixated on them, talking about it, talking about it, waste our energy and we are not focused on that which we are doing. Right? Yeah. You know why I like those guys? They are committed in their falsehood. But we are not. They go to any length, right, to market their falsehood. Their level of commitment is biblical proportion. Yeah. The zeal. Put on these goggles. Go nowhere. Be transported anywhere. Is the spirit and attitude of more of what does not really exist. What you are chasing, what you are giving your time to, does it really exist? Even the things you believe God for, does it really exist? Right? The reason people are comfortable with this, this is an easier route. Right? The very testing route of trials. Why go through all those kind of things when you can do this and no, the difference is we are not looking for the same thing. We are looking for life. The others are looking for stuff. KCP is still a factory. What's our product? Accurate lives. In other places, it's a car. You hear, you know, young people say, I, we just, I, at least they have money. <laughs> See, that's the ultimate for a lot of people. But if we are going to really, really, really do this and realize the ultimate intention. The word of God will try us. So this word of God on truth on trial is not what is going to happen, you know, maybe in the, you know, it's going to happen within you. Myself and Michael, we are discussing this, that you know, I've said this for many years, that before the church can really begin to walk in its authentic identity, there must be a civil war, right? That civil war begins inside of you. When the things you believe, when push comes to shove, right? I don't know which one will push which one, right? You don't have a breaking point. It's not negotiable. You won't sing another tune, right? You stay on it. This is the truth. Honestly, if you believe in a lie sincerely, God will sort you out. But if you are trying to avoid the lie, Right? And you are not pursuing the truth. You won't even know which one is. But something, this is what I know right now. You throw yourself into it. Honestly, if it's not true. Because what the first thing they taught us in, you know, in school, in biblical interpretation, is that you may be wrong. And when you know you're wrong, you say what? I'm sorry, I changed, right? <laughs> there's no pressure. So there's no reason for me to hold back. This one that I know that what we see around, the biblical principle is where two or three are gathered together, right? In his name, he's there. They might gather, they might not be together. 
he, he won't be there. They might gather, they might be together, he won't be there if they are not gathered in his name. So we need a redefinition of what church is. I was delivered from that about five years ago. When there are people, it's easier to preach, right? Because you ride on their energy. I was delivered from that years ago. If there are three people, I preach, right? Because the energy is not just from the people, right? <laughs> it's from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because there's some things, guys, you need to know. The reason the truth of God's word is not affecting. Those guys who were hiding at a time, Bible says what? They have filled Jerusalem with their doctrine. They have affected school curriculum. They've affected the music. They've affected fashion. Right? They've shaped language. You got to a point, is that you hate them passionately or you fall in love with them? In fact, before you go to church, you have to check your life. Right? Because you might be, they might bury you before the sermon. <laughs> but now it's all commas. Everything goes. There are no, no boundaries for those who claim to subscribe to this faith. No, that's not the faith. The love of God still constrains. The word of God is on trial. And it's not for just the world to know. You want to come to a point of conviction. Right? As you leave tonight, Honestly, whatever you've come to, whatever you pick from this is going to be tried. There will be a point, right, where we need to make a decision. What's going to inspire it? Remember the question we asked in the AGF on Sunday? Why are you still following? Why are you still in yours? Why are you doing the things that you do? Have you put on those goggles that's leading nowhere? If you are going nowhere, you can arrive anywhere, right? But that's not the will of God. Let's pray. Yeah, we'll start from here next week. The reality I want to dawn on you tonight is that, believe it or not, but I want you to believe it, there's something you know right now. There's a next phase that you need to get to. Allow yourself to be tried by it. There's something you started out of a conviction. He's asking me to tell you. You have not pushed it to a point where it is tried. There are still a lot of things you do that is contrary. the things that you believe. Many times you've come to that point of trial and you backtrack. Let's pray for ourselves tonight for grace because it's not by power, it's not by might. It's not by willpower. It's not by desire. It's not even sincerity. Sincerity is key. But there must be a willingness to go through the pain. The pleasurable pain. The pain is pleasurable because we know the outcome. 
that you may be entire and greatly fulfilled. Many of us, we've already put on those goggles, going nowhere. And we can end anywhere. But the steps of the righteous, the Bible says, is ordered. Those steps are ordered by the Lord. Lord, see our hearts tonight. Fix us, Lord. Arrange us, rearrange us, restructure us. Empty us out, Lord, and fill us with that which is desirable, which is of you, which is yours. The scripture says, help, O Lord, faithful men disappear from the earth. Ask him tonight to bring you to that point of stature where you can rightly divide the word of truth. No shame in obeying God and do that which we've come to know is the will of God for our lives. If doing good and godly is easy, everybody would do it. The race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong. It's God that grants the grace. Heavenly Father, once again I pray, bless this word to our hearts, O God. Carve this truth upon our hearts, Lord. Even let it liberate us, O God. Where doing your will, Lord, becomes our default. It's one thing, Lord, to hear messages, to listen to teachings, to take notes. But when we get to that point of applying this truth, many times we forget and we succumb to the pressure of the moment. Lord, we ask tonight that you create the, adjust our circumstances, O oh God, that Lord, we will daily remember. And the spur of the moment, let our default be, O oh God, a deference, a giving in, a willingness, O oh God, to abide by that which you prefer, that which you approve. A workman approved of God. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with us. For inquiries, kindly visit our page at Kingdom Citizens Pavilion on Facebook and Instagram. Or call 080-54-31-5476. We are looking forward to hanging out with you next time.